Good morning, Christ Church. Happy Sunday to you. Uh, my brother Mike told me that since we gained an hour, I get an extra hour to preach. Is that what, did I understand that right? <laughs> uh, so I hope you're really comfortable today. Got a long message for you. We're going to start at the book of Genesis and end at Revelation today. So, <laughs> but it is good to see you. Hey, last Sunday was such an awesome and special Sunday. Um, and I want to thank you for that. Here's what I absolutely love about our church is you do nothing halfway. Like when you do something, you are all in to serve people and to bless people. And I want to thank everybody who just served and made that day so special. Man, our parking team had their work cut out for them. They, they did awesome. Everyone who hosted a trunk, man, thank you for your generosity. You're just making it so special for our kids, making the trunk so fun. Um, it, it was so cool, and I'm so thankful to you. And it was also really cool. We actually had a record attendance on Sunday. There was a 430 people, which that, that's a lot to get through this building to this parking lot. Um, so thank you for that. And, you know, it just is kind of one of those, those Sundays, too, that reminds me that, man, God has a lot of people in our communities that he wants us to reach. I believe there are so many people, thousands of people within driving distance of our church that, that are open to God, they're hungry for God, but they need a church that will meet them where they're at. They need a church that, that will help them to see the wonder and the beauty of who Jesus Christ is. And I believe that's who we are, church. I believe that's why we're here. And that's why, as a church, we have to keep um, reaching out and keep stretching ourselves and keep working towards a future where, where God can use us to bring people to Christ. So in early 2024, we're going to make uh, a big change. We're going to add a third service on Thursday evenings uh, to keep making space. And there's so many, uh, I know sports can dominate weekends and things like that. Work can dominate weekends. So we're going to have a good alternative time. And uh, so if that's on your heart, if you are like, man, maybe I wouldn't mind helping with that, um, that would be awesome. And, uh, and it would be a great way. So you can sign up in the back. We'll get more information to follow, but I want to plant that seed. And then also, we're just continuing to pray and give and work towards a new campus. And if that's on your heart uh, to give to that, man, we still, every gift matters. Every gift counts. And, uh, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's what we're doing uh, every week. So uh, if that's on your heart, you can give there too. But I'm excited for the future that God has for us. And I am so thankful for your heart of faith and service to him. So let me pray and we'll get to the message. Father, we love you. I'm thankful for you. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the gift and the blessing of self-control. And I pray that that would grow in us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in this sermon series called Stop Trying and Start Training. And would you just turn to the person next to you and be like, hey, you're looking fit today. Did you say? You say, if it's your spouse, give them a little wink. If it's not, don't do that. Um, 
But we're trying to get spiritually fit today, right? We're, we're trying to get our souls in better shape. And I was, a, a couple years ago, I, I bought this fun water toy. Do you, ever, do you ever buy something that you're like, this probably isn't responsible, but it's going to be really fun? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Come on. I know I got to have some brothers with me. You're like, uh, is this smart? No, is it going to be really fun? Yes. This is one of those things. And, uh, and, and I bought this thing. It's called a foil board. It's like, like a surfboard, kind of with a motor. It's hard to explain, but you can Google it, and it's fun. And, and I, I, I was going out this summer, and one of my, my best buddies went out with me, and he's like, hey, um, can I invite my brother-in-law? He loves water sports. He's really into it. He's grown up to it. I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, I'm a more the merrier kind of person, you know? So I'm like, for sure, bring him along. So as soon as this dude gets on there, I start to feel something in my gut. I'm like, this, this, this all doesn't look good or feel good. You ever had that? And, and, I, and the more he goes, the more uncomfortable I get. And then I start, you know, what I thought was encouragement. My buddy told me that I was just yelling at him. It's a fine line between the two. Because I could tell, I was like, this dude's just a little reckless. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, like he wasn't paying attention to people around him, wasn't. Just, I just knew this was bad, and I tried to, you know, encourage him to be less reckless and, and more in control, and, and it, it just wasn't working. And about 20 minutes later, he busts his face on it. Eight stitches, and I saw it all coming. I knew it. I knew this is not going to end well, and I, and I did, because he, he, was, he was out of control. And when we're, when we're out of control, we're dangerous. We're dangerous to, to ourselves and to others. Now, it's easy or easier to recognize when other people are out of control. But can I ask you a question today? Do you ever find yourself losing control? It was Halloween this week. There was bags of candy at my house. I said, Chet, you need to be healthy, dude. You need to eat good. But every time I thought that, that bag was sitting right there. You know, and, and how, how bad could this little baby musket, three musketeer bar be? Well, it's not bad when you eat one. But 35 later, it starts to add up. You know, man, because it's like, one, this thing doesn't fill me at all. Is this a, a cruel game here? And, and it was hard to, I lost control. You with me on that? You ever, you ever lose control, like your time and your schedule? And you're like, man, what What happened? I'm way late, I didn't get done, What you, you just lost control of it? Church, have you ever lost control of your temper? Yeah, I know, yeah. Well, just for the, the one person online that can relate to that, today I'm talking to you. Um, and, and when you lose control, you inevitably regret it, right? I, sh I shouldn't have said that, uh, oh man, I did it again, what's, what's wrong? And, and there, there's a danger. And the more that, that our life loses control, the more we end up losing the things that are actually truly important to us. And today we're going to talk about the discipline of self-control. Because the good news is, is that God will actually help us to grow in our self-control. Now, self-control, as all these disciplines, uh, the, the scriptures tell us, that it's a fruit of the Spirit. What that means is, is that as you and I walk with God, 
over the course of time, we should see our self-control grow. It's something today, whether you recognize it or not, God is trying to grow in you and grow in me. And what's so cool about this is that as we pursue self-control and as we try to make it more important in our lives, God helps us in that effort. Now, all these disciplines, there's, as I've said at the very beginning, there's a supernatural reality and there's a natural reality. In other words, all this stuff, like if you're listening to these messages and you're like, I'm trying to grow in humility, I'm trying to grow in surrender, I'm trying to grow in silence and solitude, there's things you do to try and grow in them, but you're also doing them trusting that God's going to help you, that, that it's not all up to you, that when, that when you're in pursuit of these things, God's spirit is partnering with you, and that's really, really good news. Because some of us today might feel like, I'm terrible at self-control. Some of us today might, might look at our lives and be like, I don't, Chet, I don't know if it's possible for me. And I want you to know it is possible. God will help you. God's spirit is at work in you. And here's what is powerful about self-control. Here's a, a quote from author D.J. Cal. He says, true spiritual self-discipline or self-control holds believers in bounds, but never in bonds. Its effect is to enlarge, expand, and liberate. Now, here, there's a paradoxical reality to this quality. Your you're self-control, you're, you're putting bounds on your life. You're, you're saying no to things. You're, you're limiting your freedom, but here's what ends up happening you get more freedom. Today, if you give yourself the freedom to buy everything that you see and like, you will put yourself in financial prison. You with me? If you put yourself in the restraints of a budget and, and healthy habits, you'll give yourself freedom later on. You with me on this, church? And that's how it works. So the point of this is not for God to take things away from your life, but to give you the things that matter most. To give you the things that will, will ultimately satisfy and strengthen and give you a better future. You with me on this? That's the beauty of this practice. Now, the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about this, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's our text for today. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, and here's what he says. Do you not know... That in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. Actually, Paul, we don't know that. We live in a different world today. Everybody gets a trophy. Oh, just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> sorry. Uh, but run, right, the world was different then. Run, that there is one, run that you may obtain it. Going on. Every athlete, see, I'm losing self-control as the sermon goes. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Great athletes, they discipline themselves. They train. They say no. They do that. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. In the ancient world, the winners of the ancient Olympics, they would, they would get, you know, a, a wreath with, you know, olive leaves and branches and stuff. But, you know, like when you buy flowers at home, they wilt over time. They you know, die and disintegrate, and he says it's a perishable wreath, but we're after something. The race we're in 
it's lasting. It's eternal. It's, it's going to continue forever. So I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating there. I don't, I don't shadow box. But I discipline my body. That word actually is to give a black eye. And that, that's a little different picture there. I give myself a black eye. Whoa. All right, Paul. Discipline my body, and I keep it under control. That word is I make it my slave. I enslave it. So this, this is very intense language here. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now here's the idea today. Paul is showing us how to grow in self-control. What self-control looks like in his life. And I would just say it all this way. That he said, he's showing us that we need to play to win. Play to win. And we win. We win by overcoming self. By the, the way that we win in this life is by learning to overcome the unhealthy appetites and drives in our life that keep us from the path that God has for us. You with me on this? Play to win, and we win by overcoming self. Now, here's the first thing I want you to see about self-control. Self-control is developed more by having a goal in mind than by just focusing on the things we need to restrict in life. Right? If you just, if you leave here today and your mind just focused on what you can't do or shouldn't do, that's not going to get you very far, right? You tell your mind, don't think about a yellow zebra. Don't think about a yellow zebra. Don't, what's in your mind right now? Yellow zebra, right? Um, if, if you just focus on what, what, what you shouldn't do, that's not powerful. Self-control is, is built by saying, this is where I'm trying to go. It's built by looking forward. By having an aspiration of the type of life we want to live and the person that we believe God is calling us to look like. And Paul says, that's what puts me in this place where I am practicing and living the discipline of self-control. Now Paul says, here's what winning looks like for him. If you read the context of this, it's really powerful verses. But just to give you a summary, Paul's saying basically, what I'm trying to do with my life is spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I, and Paul's saying, there's all these different pockets of people that need it. And, I, and I'm trying to break through the barriers in every one of those different pockets and bring them the good news of Jesus. And Paul says, when I'm doing that, that's what winning for me looks like. That my life is advancing the message of Jesus. I'm like, Paul, that's pretty good. I can get behind that win, amen? I can get, and then he says, and you know what else is winning for me? It's doing it in a way where I have integrity at the end of the day. Did you catch those last verses? He says, look, I'm preaching to you, but I also need to preach to myself so that I'm not disqualified when all is said and done. We all know the ugliness of religious hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in, in any way is ugly, and Paul says, and, and I don't want to do it. That's what winning for me looks like. One of my, uh, my heroes is a pastor that he's re been retired for a long time now, but he was from Akron. His name was Newt Larson. And he said that the greatest compliment he ever got in his life 
was his two daughters. He had two daughters. He said, my daughters one day said to me, they said, Dad, you're the same guy in the pulpit as you are outside. Said, best compliment ever. I heard that as a young man, and I said, that's my life goal. And guess what? I got two daughters too. My son, I'll see if I care what he says, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> JK, JK. Um, but, you know, they, they know, they see, right? And I was like, and ever since I heard that, it was locked into my soul. I'm like, that's what I am aiming for. And today, you need to define the wins in your life. What does winning look like? And, and we need to define the wins that really matter, right? We all know it's not about stuff. It's not about how high we climb the, the corporate ladder. Or this. We know that the real wins that matter are deeper than that. They're different than that. But, but we need to define them. And Paul says, that's the wins for me. And I'm running this race. I'm running to win. I'm not playing games. And sometimes, church, we're running not to win, but just to get through. And you see, Paul's got a different, different attitude. He's got a different mindset. And people who are playing to win... Have you noticed they, ha they, they have a different mindset? So how do, how do we play to win? And how do we live like a winner? Well, I think there's a few things. There's a lot of things we could talk about. But, but here's the first things that come to my mind. That winners think differently. They think differently. I've been really trying to pay attention to my thoughts. I've kind of been on this kick, and I've been really trying to, like, notice them and replace ones that are unhealthy and just kind of invite God into all of that. Because here's what I believe. Our thoughts, they are the seed of everything in our life. If God is going to change you and me today, it starts up here, church. We always start outside of there, but I'm telling you, this is where it starts. And winners think differently. And I've noticed three different types of thoughts in my mind. I've noticed unhealthy thoughts that are dishonoring to God and dishonoring to others. I notice those, those are alive and well in me, sadly, you know? And, and, and the, the key to those is to recognize them very, very quickly and name them for what they are. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll get mad, I'll get upset, and, and I'll, start, I'll start thinking badly about someone. You know, in my anger, in my frustration. And you know what? God will never call you to curse someone in thought or in word. That's not your job. Jesus says, in fact, even the people you would be most willing to dog, your enemies, Jesus says, love them. Isn't that amazing? So when I think about that, I'm like, all right, well, if that is the call of Christ on my life, then I have to name those thoughts as unhealthy. And, and sometimes if we're aware and if we're honest, it's easier to see the ones that are just flat out dishonoring to God and dishonoring to others. But then I notice there's a second category of thoughts. And these are limiting thoughts. They're a little sneakier. They're thoughts that aren't outright opposed to God and scripture, but they are thoughts that if, if they grow in our minds, they will keep us from running to win. And here, here's an example I was thinking about. When, when I was um, 18 and I was, I was praying about 
pursuing ministry. And it was, it was what I wanted to do. It, it was like, you know, on my heart, I wanted to serve God. I wanted to be a pastor. But then there was this whole other thought process going on in my mind. And here's what it was. Chet, you're not very smart. For real. And if you look at my high school record, it will prove that. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing impressive there. And so honestly, when I was that age, because I knew, I was like, hey, if God's calling me into ministry, like, it's a life of study. And I was like, if God's calling me to that, like, I'm taking my education serious. I'm going for it. I'm not getting up there and not knowing what the scriptures that I'm reading through. I'm doing all this. And I knew that it would require a life of intellectual discipline and rigor. And as an 18-year-old, here's the thought. Chet, you're not that smart. You're not, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't think you have the mind to do it. And church, it, it really made me be unsure about it. Now, one time in prayer around that age, I was just kind of, you know, Lord, all right, look, I, I want to honor you. This is where I'm at. And, and God brought, I believe it was God, brought a new thought into my mind and said, Chet, I've made you to be smart. And it was like, it was what I needed to hear, it was what I needed to believe, and I went and I ran with it. Because I, fe I felt, to the best of my ability, I felt that was God speaking in my life. It wasn't audible or anything, but it, it was a powerful thought in my mind, and, and I thought it was from him, and, and I went after it. But see, if, if I would have stayed in that thought, it would have limited what God wanted to do with my life. And church, winners think different. There are thoughts that you're carrying around today. And you don't think they're dangerous because they don't sound outright evil. That didn't sound evil to me. You know what it sounded? It sounded true to me. But here's the deal. It was limiting. It, it would have taken me out of the race that God had for me. Because I would have settled on a different path. Because this is my path. This is where God wants me to be. And there are thoughts in your heart, in your mind, church, that are limiting. And then here's the third category. There are healthy and life-giving thoughts. And those are what we replace the unhealthy and the limiting thoughts. Again, you can't just say, I'm not thinking those things. Get out of here. You can't just do that. You need to replace them. Something has to take their place. And these are the thoughts that are aligned with Scripture, that are aligned with the voice of God, with the work of the Spirit in you and in me. And those are the thoughts that we have to nurture because within them are the seeds of life. Within them is the place where all the good things God can grow in you and in me. You've got to nurture them, and you've got, to, you, you've got to cling to them, and you've got to believe them by faith. Winners think differently. Here's the second thing. Winners develop different habits. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. Our future, in some ways, isn't that hard to predict. The way you predict it is by looking at what you do every day and then fast-forwarding 10 years. Where is that building up to? What I do every day, am I, am I spending, if I'm spending zero time with God every day, guess what, 10 years from now, the relationship isn't going to be very deep or meaningful. 
However, if I am, then over 10 years, that time where I'm praying, where I'm in silence and solitude, that is going to build and become something powerful. If you're like, I don't know anything about the, the Bible today, but I'm reading for two minutes every day. Guess what? You're on a powerful path. Because in 10 years, you're going to know all kinds of things that you didn't even know you could know. And you're going to be different. And so what we have to realize is, are we creating habits that are moving us on the race that God has for us to the place where we believe he's calling us? Or are they actually taking us to the wrong place? Brian Tracy says this. He says, bad habits are easy to form. We know that's true. But hard to live with. Right? It's, we get frustrated with ourselves. They're hard to live with. Good habits are hard to form, but they're easy to live with. You know, the, one of the words that, that Paul uses here um, when he says that the athlete, the root of that is our word for agony. And that's, that's where we, we get it from, from this, this Greek word here. Because in athletics, there is, there is struggle involved. There, there is sort of a willing suffering involved. And, and what, what great athletes do is they, they pay the price up front. And they live off the benefits. I love the saying, easy choices, hard life. Hard choices, easy life. You with me? And, and that's what... That's what winners do. They, they think about, I will do the hard thing now because at the end of the day, it brings me to the finish line. And remember, God will help us in that. And then lastly, winners expect to win. I read when I was uh, at home with baby and getting all adjusted, I was reading a lot of books, you know, and I read Arnold Schwarzenegger has a new book out called Be Useful. It's a really fun read. But one of the things that he talks about and others, you know, say about him that you know, when he went to those bodybuilding competitions like the Mr. Olympia, he said, I didn't go to compete, I went there to win. And there's a difference. I didn't go there to compete, I went there to win. And, and he would go with that sort of attitude and that mindset, and people would recognize it. And he contributes a lot of that to, to his success. And I thought, you know what, that is what winners do, isn't it, right? Michael Jordan didn't go up and be like, well, gee whiz, I hope, we, I hope we win tonight. You know, man, you know, I'm going to get, no, like that dude, he went to win. And I think so many times as followers of Christ, are we expecting to win or are we expecting something different? When you pray, are you expecting God to hear an answer? Or is it like, I'm going to pray because it's the right thing to do, but probably nothing's going to happen. I know we don't say that stuff out loud, but it can still be in our hearts, right? When we seek God, do you expect to find him? Lord, I really need you right now, but I don't expect to find you. I expect to just be lost in my misery right now. Do, do we expect to win? Do we, do we expect God to, to meet us in our, in our time of need? Because, because I believe Paul he went and he preached the gospel, and guess what? He expected God to show up and people to come to Christ. Paul went to new cities, and he expected God to start new churches and new works. 
He prayed, he expected God to answer. And do we, do we expect to wait? And then Paul says we do this for an eternal prize. I want you to know today, I just want to remind you, your life, it is a race. It is a journey that God has set out for you. And it is eternally important. I want you to know today, your life has eternal significance. How you live, how you love people, how you connect to God, how you lead your family, how you show up to work. I want you to know, it might feel meaningless, but it's not. Your life might feel purposeless now, but Paul is reminding us, no, you're in a race, and it's eternally significant. And church, here's the other good side of this. You might, you might feel like, no, I've lost a race. I'm getting lapped in this race. But I want you to know, if you still have air in your lungs, you're not done yet. And you can still win this race. Hey, every great athlete stumbles and falls and gets hurt and gets pancakes sometimes. But you know what? It's perfectly acceptable to get knocked down. But it is completely unacceptable to stay down if you are a follower of Christ. And maybe you've had a season where you got knocked flat on your back in this race. And you got two options. You can roll in the mud and lick your wounds. Or you can get up and say, I'm not done yet. And I believe you need to get up and say, I'm not done because your race is so important. Your life is so important. And I don't care any, what any thought or any person says in contradiction to that. They are wrong. And God is right. Your life matters. And then Paul says we win this race. We win it by overcoming self. Your competition is not someone else. Our competition is ourselves. It's the, it's the unhealthy parts Within us, it's the brokenness, it's, it's the things. The only person who can ruin our race today, church, here's the hard truth, is us. That's it. No one else has that power. No one else can ruin your race but you. No one else can ruin my race but me. And so here's what Paul says. He says, I don't box as one beating the air, but I have an aim. I know where I'm going. Today, I want to challenge you today. Do you know where you're going? Do you know what, what God is calling out of you? And, and I, I want to just kind of make it simple today. I don't want to talk about the whole trajectory of your life, although more clarity on that is super helpful. I want to talk to you about this. There's 60 days left, roughly, to the end of this year. 60 days left. And I want you to pray about an aim. What, what would God want for you in these last 60 days? And you can think about it in three different ways. Number one, our health, our body. I believe the body is a great training ground for the soul. When I learn to bring discipline into my body, it helps me bring discipline into my soul, into the more important parts of life. What, what, it, what is an aim to be healthier in our body? For those that are married, your family, or you have kids, what, what's an aim for your family this year? 
for these last 60 days? What, what's just an aim that's I'm, I'm going for this because I think God wants it. And I think it's going to be helpful and good. I've, been, I've had this aim. The girls, whenever, whenever they ask me to do something, my aim is to say yes. Dad, do you want to help me draw this? Yes. Do you want to play this game? Yes. Do you want to go downstairs? Yes. And that's really hard for me because I just always want to be lazy and not do it, you know? But I'm like, but these moments, they're not going to last forever, right? There, there's going to be days they don't, they don't ask dad for anything. They don't want dad around. And I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want to treasure these. I want to make it count. I want them to feel like they're important and a priority to me. And, and so that's, that's my aim. What's, what's your aim with your spiritual life? 60 days left. You know, a lot can happen in 60 days. What if you ended this year? Hey, maybe this year hasn't gone great. Here's the beauty. The race of this year isn't over. It's great to start well, but I think it's more important to finish well. And you and I still have this opportunity to finish this year well, to end well, to end closer to God, to end closer to the people that we love, that God has entrusted in our life, to end closer to a healthy and meaningful life. And church, what I'm asking you is have an aim. Because here's what I promise you. If you don't have an idea where you're going, then you'll be content with wherever you go. If you don't have a bullseye, then the arrow will go out and you'll just circle one around it. But it might not be a, pla a place worth going. Figure out your aim, and go for it. And then here's the second thing. Paul says, I take my unhealthy drives and my unhealthy appetites seriously. There are, part, there are things within all of us that we should not give life to. That we should not pamper. That we should not make space for. I know we, I, I we want to think that, that everything in me is great and beautiful and good. Well, it's not. It, right? Dude, there, there's, a, there's a nasty selfish streak in me. There, there's, a, there's a nasty entitlement in me. There's all kinds of unhealthy drives in me, right? Look, there's good stuff in me too, and I want to feed that, and I want to thank God for that. But then there's other stuff in me, and Paul says, here's how you deal with it. You walk up to it, and you punch it in the face. You give it a black eye. You don't go up to it and say, oh, you're so nice. Let me hold your hand and rub it. You're so cute. He says, no, you walk up, and you punch it in the face. And then you throw it in a cell, and you throw the key in a deep lake. Because all that is going to do is ruin you from the inside out. Church, we all have unhealthy appetites. We all have unhealthy drives, and we need to name them and see them that way and say, all right, you are the real problem in my life, and I'm not playing games with you. I'm, I'm running you out. I love what Craig Rochelle says. He says that he would tell himself this all the time. My appetite for Jesus Christ is greater than any unhealthy appetite in me. Let, that can be a mindset that you bring into the, the rest of this year. Just tell yourself as you go through the day, all right, I, I have the drive for this. It's not good. It's not God-honoring. It's a broken part of me. Well, in those moments, just 
feed on this empowering thought. My desire for Christ is greater than my desire for this. doesn't matter if it's true or not. Your desire for that thing might be greater, but if you feed that thought, it will grow. It will strengthen. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, my desire for Christ is actually greater. And it's growing. And it's moving me to where I need to be. Now, let me just end with this. The work of Jesus Christ is so incredible. And it has benefits for every part of our life. You know, what what I love about, about Christ is he forgives our past. He redeems our past. And, and there's so, many, so much benefit and freedom to that. And I love thinking about what Christ can do in our future. There's hope, right? In your darkest days, you can say, but hey, at the end of the day, Christ wins. And you can have hope and strength. But here's something that's easy to pass over. Christ has a lot of help for you and me in the present, today. When Christ died and rose again, we learn that he defeated death, sin, and evil. Defeated them. Now they're still around. But they lack the power in your life, in my life, that they once had. Here's what that means. When we give in to the unhealthy drives in us, the brokenness, we are surrendering ground to the enemy that we don't have to. Evil cannot take ground in your life. You can only give it to him. You see the difference? Christ has won the victory. If, 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 the broken, if evil takes ground, it's not because it's stronger or more victorious. It's because I gave it away. I surrendered it. There wasn't even a battle. I just put the white flag up. You know, I, I, I give up. Not doing it. The work of Christ today, I want you to know, every area of your life and my life, there is strength from Christ in it and you've got to move to that in any area that we lose it's because we surrendered it not because we were overpowered and I want you to resolve in your heart today that if I'm going to lose ground you're going to have to beat me and if you beat me that means you're going to have to beat Christ in me which, guess what, isn't going to happen. Isn't going to happen. Church, I want you to know Christ is at work in you today. That the things that, that are unhealthy in our lives, the, the things that are holding us back from the race, look, they might be holding us back because we're letting them. Not because they have the true power over you and me. The gospel has given you freedom. It has given you strength. Is giving you the spirit inside of you. And the only ground that can be taken is the ground that is surrendered. But it cannot be taken from your hands unless you give it. And so here's the deal today. Don't give an inch. Don't give any ground. Let, let all of the brokenness and evil come at you. You will withstand it because Christ is in you. And he is the hope of glory. He is your strength. He is your freedom. 
He is the one that will see you through to the end. And he is the one that you and I can trust today. Today is a new day. His mercy and grace are with you. And we need to go and live. The jail cell has been opened. You can walk out of it and live a new life. You don't have to say, oh, the door's open. I better shut it and lay on this cot. You can do that, but why would we? We can walk out and we can live and be different. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to live and to move and to walk in the true freedom that the gospel brings us. Father, I pray that that any area of our life where we are surrendering ground that you died for, that you purchased with your blood, we would no longer surrender. Father, where my own sinful flesh or evil wants to, to cause me to give up ground that you've rightfully bought, I pray you'd help me to have the gift, the discipline, the practice of self-control. I pray for my brothers and sisters today, Lord. I pray they could see that although we call it self-control, it doesn't come from self. It comes from you. Lord, we know the weakness of self. But Lord, today, help us to see the strength of our God. Help us to see the strength within us, through you, by you, and for you. And Lord, I pray that it would give us strength to be something different, to live different, to love different, and to fulfill the calling and the purpose that you have for each one of us. I ask this in Jesus' name.